I'm Arielle. And I'm Ian, and we host Geek in the Streets. A podcast where we share knowledge with each other on different geek and nerd topics. Which for October will be all about your favorite spectacular subjects, starting now. Welcome to Geek in the Streets, I'm Ian. And I'm Arielle. And this is a podcast for the geek and the nerd subjects you love, as if you are a Belgian detective looking for a part two of a podcast. Yeah, so as promised last week, today we're doing a haunting in Venice, if I can say it. Haunting in Venice, <laughs> the new Hercule Poirot movie. Yeah, so um, I thought we'd do a little bit more information on the background of where the uh, movie came from. So as we talked about last week in our Hercule Poirot uh, episode, this movie, A Haunting in Venice, is based on the book called Halloween Party by Agatha Christie. There's an interesting spelling of Halloween, isn't there? That's how they used to spell it. Because it was All Hallows Eve, and they shorted it to Evening, and then they, you know. Well, if you like finding out random factoids about Halloween, then stick around for our Halloween season of Geek in the Streets, or go back and listen to our earlier ones. Yeah, that one's pretty deep on Halloween. Um, So it was published in the UK in November 1969. It was a Hercule Poirot book. Um, And so it's basically, the story uh, is nothing really to do with A Haunting in Venice. (laughs) So we can tell you the story, or I can say Ariel will, and uh, it will not spoil the movie. Yeah, so basically that book opens with a a bunch of kids at a Halloween party. Well, actually, they're setting up for the Halloween party, and there is an authoress named Aradne Oliver, who I think Agatha Christie basically wrote herself into this story because Aradne Oliver is... um, a murder mystery author, and she's very famous. She's a lot of uh, good works done, and she loves apples. I don't know if Agatha Christie loved apples. I can't comment on that. Uh, so it opens with her, and she's they're setting up for a Halloween party, and there's this young kid named Joyce Reynolds, who is a young kid, probably like less than 12. Uh, they said her age, and I don't remember. <laughs> uh, who's bragging that she witnessed a murder once, and everyone's like, ah, oh, Joyce is full of it. You know, Joyce is a chronic liar. A precocious young child. Yeah, but a chronic liar is what they basically call her. And so uh, I learned this cool thing that when they were they did at the party, I had to Google it. They were playing a game called Snapdragon, which is where you turn on all the lights, you take like um, like raisins and like nuts, and you set them on fire with brandy, and then everyone has to grab them out of the fire. That's what they used to do at kids' parties. I was going to say, can we just say how much cooler <laughs> kid parties were back then? It's like. Let's play this game. Let's go get some rum. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. (laughs) And then they also were um, uh, bobbing for apples and they were playing a game where like... And it was rum instead of water. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They made a like um, a cake out of flour, like just a mound of flour. And you have to take a little bit away with a spoon and try not to let a, a coin fall off the top. These are the kind of games they played at Halloween parties for children. I would have had fun with them. Back in the 60s. Um, And then they also did like they had a fake witch there telling like futures and future husbands and stuff like that. Anywho, so um, at the end of the party, it turns out that Joyce Reynolds has been murdered by having her head dunked into a the bucket where they were bobbing for apples. Um, and they don't find her till the end of the party, and she is dead. So a child is dead. So everyone's kind of freaking out. Uh, and it turns out Aradne Oliver was there because she's friends with um, this lady who I can't remember her name. And she was staying with her and her daughter, and she is friends with Hercule Poirot. So she writes to Hercule in London, and Hercule comes without Hastings um, to the little town that this is in, which I cannot remember, but it was not somewhere in the English countryside. Okay. Uh, yeah, somewhere in the English countryside. Pretty sure England and not like 
Scotland or anything like that. I'm pretty sure it was still England. Anyways, so, um, you know, uh, everyone, Hercules trying to learn some stuff, and he's like, well, basically this, you know, Aradne Oliver thinks that the little girl was murdered for saying she witnessed uh, a murder, and someone was trying to cover it up. So that's why she calls Hercule. No one else really believed the little girl, and they're like, she's kind of a chronic liar, this Joyce kid is. Um, and But until uh, then, Joyce's brother, plus or minus older sister, also get murdered. And so uh, Hercule was trying to figure this out, so he's like, are there any unsolved murders? And there were three. There was a teacher who was strangled, a guy who worked like at a bank who was stabbed, and then... Um, A young, um, like, nanny, but for an old lady, went missing, and her name was Olga Semenov. Um, So we can say, statistically, this is the least safe, rich suburb ever of all time. Yeah. And so uh, it's a sleepy little town, though. Nothing happens there, they say. Uh, So basically, Hercule is trying to figure out um, who killed Joyce and also then figure out what the original murderer was and why they murdered Joyce for it. So it's an interesting... Uh, okay, it's not that interesting. It's an interesting concept, and the book is a little bit slow. That's what I'll say. Like you The story's to- pretty cool the way it unravels, but it's slow, and I guessed it, so it's not that great. You told me that uh, of the ones you read, this was not your favorite. Yeah. Like, you usually I mean, have... It, of the you ones I read. them quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one, you were kind of meh. It is actually... I was reading, too. It's one of her lesser-known stories as well. So it's not even like, you know, Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express level. It's like a pretty lesser story. So I have theories about why they chose it, and we can talk about that later. Okay. Uh, But yeah, not my favorite. I guess the ending. I wouldn't really recommend the book. Like, maybe read a synopsis, because it's kind of interesting, the twists and turns it takes. And I will tell you, it has nothing to do with the movie. All right. You heard it here first. But I actually think that's okay because, like I said, the book was pretty boring where I was like, when I had read the book, I had already seen the trailer and I'm like, you know what? This is not going to be the same and I think I'm okay with that. You know, um, to bring it back to my uh, area of expertise, when I saw Civil War, it was the same thing. The, you get to a similar place with Iron Man and Captain America being on opposite sides, but they are the comic and the movie are nothing like each other and it actually totally works. Yeah. So... You know, sometimes that that does work out. I think on this podcast, we tend to lean towards um, more faithful adaptations for Mm -hmm. things we like. But in this case, uh, we will find out your thoughts soon. Do you want to take a quick break and then go into the next section? Yeah, we can do that. All right. The Geek in the Streets podcast is supported by the Geek in the Streets podcast. And listeners like you. Well, not yet. And we are back, fresh from the movie theaters. You see, in that break we just had, which is the same every single time you listen to Geek in the Streets, Ariel and I ran to the movie theater, saw the movie, and then came right back. Isn't that right? Yeah, so the movie was released today as we were recording this, which is September 15th, 2023. It was distributed by 20th Century Studios. And it is the third of the series that have been produced and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Did I say it right? Yeah. See, that's why I was saying KB the other day. Uh, And so it was produced and directed by Kenneth, but there were also other producers, including Ridley Scott. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, The screenplay was by Brian Green, and the music was by Hildur Gudendjur, who is an Icelandic woman. I probably said that way wrong. Yeah, but she also know. scored uh, the Joker and what else did I tell you earlier? 
Uh, I forgot. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, so it had a budget of $60 million, which isn't crazy huge. No. Um, and so the cast, we have Kenneth Branagh as uh, Hercule Poirot. Um, and then we have Michelle Yeoh as Mrs. Reynolds. Mrs. Joyce Reynolds, I should say. Mm-hmm. Already difference number one. Uh, Jamie Dorian as Les- Dr. Leslie Ferrier, I think they said it in a French way. Sure. Um, then Tina Fey as Rodney Oliver. Ricardo Scarmarcio as Vitale Portofogolio. <laughs> uh, my uh, My beautiful. Italian ancestors are so upset. Uh, Kelly Riley as Rowena Drake. Uh, Camille Cotine as Olga Semenoff. Jude Hill as Leopold Ferrer. I'm saying it that way. Emma Laird as Desdemona. Desdemona. Holland. Oh, whatever. You got to correct. Why don't you just say it then if you're going to correct me every time? Well, uh, I just said it right. So. Okay. Desdemona. Ali Khan as Nicholas Holland. Kyle Allen as Maxine Girard. Sure. Uh, I just had to correct you on that one because that's clearly a Shakespearean reference, okay? And if it's I don't Kenneth know Branagh. It's like from. Huh? Well, Kenneth didn't. Oh, I guess he did Kenneth. Well, he didn't yeah, write he's the a story. Oh, I'm just saying, you know. He, well, who's, who is that from Shakespeare? I don't know. Well, I, I know it from Gargoyles, so. Oh, my God. You just. First, you sounded really smart, and then you sounded really dumb. It's not how you get there. It's that you get there. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and then, of course, there are other people. That's the main, like, was that 12, did I say? Yeah. That's the main main crew. Yes. Um, so I'll give a brief plot. Um, basically, this is a post-World War II. It's 1947 in uh, Venice, Italy, which... If those of you who do not know, it is a city that's built on canals and in the water. Is it in the ocean or is it like on a no, it's inland. river? It's How inland. is it all water? Well, it's, you know, like uh, rivers and stuff. They use that as the main mode of transit through the town. And I think if I remember correctly, the soil there is very um, porous as well. Well, it's so, like sinking. I know yes, that. It's yeah. like basically sinking. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so 1947, and we catch up with a retired Hercule Poirot, um, and he's kind of retired and sealed himself off from the rest of the world, and he does have a bodyguard guard who keeps people away from him, um, and he has given up detectiving. Now, if you hadn't watched the other two, uh, spoiler alert, real quick, he loses a really good friend in Death on the Nile, so I think he's kind of in mourning in this one a little bit. Do you think that's fair to say? Fair to say. I, I, wanna... I don't know what year Death on the Nile is supposed to be, I guess. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's, it's before this one, and it would fit, but I do want to say uh, Venice seems to be... Uh, it's in a harbor. The Adriatic Sea, and it's kind of like... In what's called the Venetian Lagoon area. So like a harbor. So it's kind of like a harbor. So I don't think we're like wrong to say it's a little bit more inland because it's not on like the ocean. Oh, ocean. we didn't say that. You said that. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to correct myself before all our Venetian listeners. Uh, we, do have a, we do have some European listeners. We so, do. So, so I wanted they're probably to uh, like, you stupid Americans. address that. Sorry, guys and gals. Um, okay. Uh, so I forgot where was my plot. Okay. So 1947, Venice. We have a... Retired, sealed off Hercule Poirot, who is no longer investigating. He's just getting pastries twice a day, which is a bad diet to live on just pastries. But it is the life. If yeah, you think I know. About if I it. could live on just pastries, I would. In and Venice? He, yeah. By boat delivery? Which, oh, that's my first thing I want to. Well, should I save it? We'll save it for a little okay. later. Uh, so he is sealed off from the world, but um, his bodyguard lets in Aradne Oliver, who is a friend of his, and she is a authoress who writes murder. 
mysteries they met when she kind of shadowed him on a case uh, because she wanted to write uh, murder stories and she wanted to get some inspiration. So she said, hey, come with me to this Halloween party for orphans at this Palazzo and we're going to go to a seance afterwards. And we should note that while she was the one who kind of made him famous too, right? By writing about him? No, she didn't actually write about him. Well, she wrote it a was character thinly, like She him. said later in the movie it was thinly veiled mm. and, pe- and that's why he got famous. I don't believe it. Well... That's what she said. That's, That's what she her said. opinion. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so they go to this Halloween party at this haunted Palazzo, and there's basically this story of there were orphans during the war that the doctors just left there because there's a plague, and they locked them in and left them there to die. So now it's haunted by these orphans who hate doctors and nurses, basically, right? Um, so then they go to a seance because the owner of the house, Rowena Drake, uh, a.k.a. Beth from Yellowstone, um, but with a British accent. So actually more like, a, what's her name? Sherlock from? Holmes? Yeah, Mary, right? Yeah. Uh, no, not Mary. Uh, I forget her name. Yeah. Anyways, Moving on. Uh, Irina, right? I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, so sh- her daughter died there previously, three years before, something yes. like that. Um, she uh, was driven mad by the ghost and threw herself off the balcony is is what the, the police believe happened. Um, you, you know, I just can't believe that Hercule would be in for this. You know what I mean? Well, Aradne has asked Hercule to come along and to go to the seance hosted by Mrs. Joyce Reynolds uh, to you know, try to commune with uh, Rowena's dead daughter because she is trying to debunk it. She wants to write a book about it, but she's like, I've been to some of these seances and I cannot figure out how she's doing this. I think she's the real deal. And Hercule's like, no, mon ami, uh, mes enfants, it is not the real deal. So that's how Hercule gets, gets roped into this. So they go to the seance and... Uh, Everything kind of goes haywire. I don't want to, like, spoil too much. But basically, there's a murder that happens. Yes. And then there's another murder that happens. So Hercule, in typical Hercule fashion, uh, kind of locks everybody in to the Palazio. And he's like, we're going to figure this out. Because also, there was an attempted murder on Hercule's life. He was pushed into a bucket a clear bucket uh that they use for bobbing for apples now does that sound familiar from anywhere yeah it happened that's what that's how child joyce reynolds was killed in halloween party so he's like i'm gonna lock everyone in and nobody's getting out of here because one of y'all is the killer and then his sleuthing occurs but he's having some technical difficulties uh he is seeing some things and hearing some things is hercule our uh ever-present skeptic Starting to believe in ghosts, maybe? That's what it's looking like. But I don't want to spoil it, so We shall not spoil it. Uh, So why don't we do some thoughts and feelings? Let's do it. Okay, so I'll go first. Like I said, um, I knew it wasn't going to be like the book, and I wasn't mad about it. Uh, I actually think it was uh, was pretty good. I don't know... I don't know if it tops the other ones for me, like Murder on the Orient Express or Death on the Nile. Like, maybe I'll do a ranking after this. But um, I thought it was really good. It's very stylized, and it took me a second to figure out what they were doing. So just so you know, if you're going into it, uh, they're kind of stylizing it like an old murder mystery where they're like, a lot of pan down shots from the top, mm-hmm. a lot of close-ups, a lot of scenery, a lot of jump scares, um, a lot of like 
big operatic looking shots almost would you say mm-hmm. uh set oh we'll talk about that in a second but um so it took me a second i was like oh, this is kind of weird and then when i figured out what they were doing i liked it um also i did appreciate that it was a lot more set work uh and very beautiful sets too um wherever they filmed it you know uh i know it was in venice but also in pinewood studios i believe um it was really beautiful, and the stats were beautiful, and there was not as much CGI, which I really appreciated. And that was one of the criticisms, I think, of the past, too, right. is people would be like, like so this type of story, screen. there sure is a lot of green screen and yeah. CGI. This one has very, very minimal. Obviously, if you're doing, like, the rooftops of Venice from the 1940s, right. it's going to be CGI, but, like... In camera is most of the shots. Yeah, and it's really beautiful, and I think it really shows. Uh, I also think it's kind of like a love letter to that old genre, which is one of the things I like about Kenneth. He just does a lot of, like, um, he tips his hat at a lot of things. So, uh, But I really liked it. What about you? Uh, I very much enjoyed it. And uh, some of the things that you mentioned I enjoyed, like the more the set work. Um, I've always noticed, even if you watch Thor 1, uh, Kenneth has an affinity for tilted shots and uh you can kind of spot that thor is different from the first you know iron man movie or um what's it called the first captain america movie because it has more of those tilted shots and in this movie he gets to lean into it much more from a stylistic perspective because everything's off kilter when he's investigating this horror story right so that's what she was saying about the stylized stuff there's a lot more of that and fisheye as well for yeah, the camera. Yeah, a lot of fisheye. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you're into that style and if you're thinking about like old episodes of The Twilight Zone or um, like some horror theater you would have watched in the 1960s Hitchcock, or Hitchcock or something Hitchcock-ian. like that. Yeah, that this very much you could see where the cinematography comes in for that. And uh, I thought the acting was great. I thought everybody played their role well. Yeah, I didn't think anyone sucked or anything. Um, I thought, of course, Kenneth was fantastic, as usual. And uh, love the... There's there's just some lines that Hercule says that you go, I got to stick those in my back pocket yeah. and keep those for later. They did use a couple lines straight out of the book, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I will say I was able to uh, follow the, the detection with Hercule pretty spot on i leaned over to ariel uh, in the first third of the movie and i go i think i got this one Mm -hmm. and i was pleasantly surprised that i did but that's not to say it wasn't layered well or anything like that it's just when you go into movies like this i've been trained now and i'm like looking for the small little thing oh that's the thing i should your little gray cells yeah exactly (laughs) so um i really enjoyed the movie and uh yeah no complaints on my end i could see it's, it is very different, but if you think about the difference between Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, um, I feel like they, they set it up that each movie changes quite a bit. I kind of like that they're doing different styles, and I think, so I think that's why they took this book. I mean, one of my problems with Halloween parties, it had nothing to do with Halloween besides that the murder happened at a Halloween party. You know, that was it. There was no spooky stuff that I was there for. This movie kind of took that and cranked it up and and kind of went in that direction and and presented it a little different, you know, a little more horror, but not quite. It's not like today's horror, you know, it's more like classic horror when you say, Um, but it really leaned into it and I really appreciated that, you know. Well, can I say it's almost like a Scooby-Doo in a way? Kind of. Because it really, you're thinking, okay, it's this one thing. It's the supernatural and all this stuff. Well, you're kind of spoiling. I'm not spoiling anything, but it's there's more behind what's going on than just the 
uh, meddling Belgian. No, it's, you'll have to see it. I don't want to spoil it. You know, going back to the differences between the movies, I think there's a very hard visual style of Murder on the Orient Express. It's very white and blue, and it's on a train, you know, a luxury train, which is such a gorgeous setting. And then you go on to Death on the Nile, and it's very... Golds. um, Yeah, golds and uh, desert colors. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's set in Egypt, and it's very striking in that way. And this one, I think they did the Venice background to give you that... Again, very striking background to what this story is. But you were telling me something about Hercule that perhaps Venice would not be his choice for a place to retire. I have a slight problem with that because Hercule is very famously seasick. He gets very famously seasick. They even showed it in Death on the Nile. Uh, He does not like, you know, boat travel at all. It's his least favorite form. So why would he choose to retire to Venice? That'd be like his own personal, unless he was like putting himself in purgatory. Like, so it's like, oh, that could be, actually, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of that right now. I I'm was just going to say, is that like Indiana Jones uh, becoming a snake handler when he retires? Yeah. yeah, I just, that part, I was like, no way would he retire to Venice. I 100%, now that you said it, I think that was intentional. And but that I did he, like, he set up his own personal purgatory after the events of Death on the Nile. His little vegetable garden, and he had that one, like, tuber. Uh, that's from actually the one of the early books it's that he like retires out to the English countryside and he's like trying to grow the perfect type of tuber I believe it is or it's a squash or something now here's my question and I do not know the answer and I'm not sure if you do either is this a wholly original take on just using elements of the Halloween party thing or is this like two stories mixed together I don't know originally I had read that there's like aspects from another Agatha Christie book that's not um, Hercule Poirot. Um, but now I couldn't find that when I've gone back and done research on it. So I don't have an answer to that. Okay. So if you are a Hercule fan, you've read, Ed, no, it's not a Hercule or it's Agatha, Agatha Christie, Christie mm-hmm. fan. Uh, let us know because we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I had thought they said something about there being a part of Lord Edgeworth dies, but I'm reading that now and I don't really see how that is the case. Um, but yeah, so it it's interesting. I mean, I didn't mind the little tweaks. I think it was pretty in, um, well done, and the story made sense. It's not like the story suffered from it. And actually, mm-hmm. Venice was almost treated like a character, don't you think? Which was nice, too. Yes. You know, they really included it in the story. Um like you said, I think all of the acting was really good. Even the little kid was good. He he put off pretty Hitchcock vibes too, didn't you yeah. get that? I think he was supposed to potentially with the way he was dressed and stuff. Um, but he was good. Um, Michelle Yeoh is good. I actually don't usually like Beth from Yellowstone, but I liked her in this. Yeah. And I will also say... Jamie Dornan was good too. Oh, yeah. You had mentioned earlier that this incorporated more Halloween theming mm-hmm. than perhaps even the Halloween party story did. And I think this is a good, you know, palate cleanser in a more mystery, detective-y kind of way to get us into the Halloween season. Because uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know we don't favor 100% uh, the torture porn or the super gory, scary stuff all the time. There's got to be elements of story. And if anything, I think we favor that more than the gore yeah i don't like gore at all yeah so um not for me would you say this would be a worthy like cozy 
spoopy Halloween movie? I don't think spoopy, but it Not is like a spoopy. cozy Halloween movie where it's, I don't like... Warming up to spoopy? Yeah. I don't like when they like stick with you. Like, I don't like when I go to bed and I'm thinking about like demons and stuff, you know? And I mm-hmm. don't think I would get that from this one. Not I at all. I would maybe think about the story about Hercule, that kind of stuff. Oh, I thought it was interesting they included that... Uh, this little bit, and they've done. They did it in Death on the Nile too. That Hercule hates that eggs are when they're different sizes. He can't stand it. Yeah. Uh, and they've done that twice now, which is funny to me. Would you? Th- he had oh. a lot of the mannerisms in this one too that I liked. He had a lot of good zingers too. I always like when he's kind of confused by the English language, or he's like, "Oh, you English." Uh, I always like that too. He had this line. I'm going to blow it for everyone. Where he, someone's, you know, asking him how he does what he does so well. And he says something along the lines of, you know, there is an order, there is a method, and then the slow crushing of my soul. You know, or <laughs> something like that. And I was like, man, that's teaching. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Tina Fey was good in this, too. Sometimes she bothers me, but she didn't bother me in this. They did change her Adne from, like, being British to being American. But I think that kind of worked. She was very, uh, like, Lois Lane yeah. from the 1940s. She was. But she was believable. I think her role on Only Murders in the Building helped her get here. Oh, see, think? I saw her as totally different from that. And to be honest, I much prefer... Her in this movie than I do in Only Murders. Only Mur- no, I'm not talking about this season where she's like all blonde and chill. I'm talking about like early seasons. Yeah, I saw her more as a Sarah Koenig type uh, in Only Murders. And in this, like again, she was more Lois Lane. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to say? I did like that they did the nod about how Joyce Reynolds was killed um, in the book. That that's how the attempt on Hercule's life was. I am curious why they decided to take like a nine-year-old and make her into like a... Um, a seance leading medium lady. Like, I don't know where that came from, but, but it was interesting and it worked for the story and it, you know, got a lot of good jump scares out of it and made it more adult. So I, I I think it worked. Yeah. So in your estimation, putting your uh, reputation on the line here, did you like the movie better than the book? Yeah, definitely. That's the first time she's ever said that on this podcast. Good night, everyone. That's not true. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. (laughs) All Famously. Right, well, we yeah, lost our, all our nerd cred when we, we did, did that. We did. We did. And a lot of listeners. But I definitely would recommend going to see the movie, whereas I might not recommend reading the book. Okay. Well, uh, you're hearing it here first. Go see the movie, A Haunting in Venice, because we want more Kenneth Branagh-led Hercule Poirot movies. But again, I still think you should see the other one. Speaking of, how would you rank them? I think I will go in order. I'll go Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile, this one. Too fresh for me. Come back to me in like six months and I'll be able to tell you. Because I've seen the other ones multiple times and so I'm always going to do that. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go one, two, three for now. Or maybe one, three, two. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's so different. It's really it hard so to compare different. this movie to the other two because they're different genres. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a whodunit. Yeah. You know? I mean, it is, but not really. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural whodunit. Or is it? Anyways. All right. Well, we have been the nerds and now you're in the herd and get ready because we are about to start our Halloween spooktacular month. We hope you're ready. This is our favorite time of year. The best intro, in my opinion, uh, musical intro done by Ian Bassett. And uh, Are we putting that on this one too? Well, it's up to you. Okay. And uh, yeah. We get, did it. You heard in. it here. It's strap in, guys. That it's it's going to be a fun Halloween season. All right. See you next week. Beware.
The Geek in the Streets podcast can be found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Find us. Now. <laughs>